0: Welcome to the Asia Tech Podcast. I'm Gustavo Liu from the Asia Tech Podcast. And today I am joined by Camille Torabouli. Um, did I spell your name right? Your last That's name? right. You can <laughs>
1: pronounce it in French. It would sound like Torabuli. Oh, Torabuli, Torabuli. Torabuli is fine too. That
0: sounds so much more romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so Camille Torabuli yeah. from uh, Bocabi. B. He's the co-founder and CEO yes. of this fantastic uh, e-learning app. So, um, Camille.
1: Nice to meet you, Gustavo. Thanks for the opportunity
0: to be here. Welcome. And um I hope this is going to be an exciting conversation Definitely. learning about languages yeah. and about the platform. So um yeah, le- I just wanted to get to you know you yeah. you as um as a founder. Um how did you start this entire journey? Was, was this your first company or were, did you start a company before?
1: It's uh, actually my first uh, startup. Uh for me the the journey began uh, when I met my co-founder Andre, uh, Andrei, uh mm-hmm. who's a uh, a software engineer since, I don't know, he probably learned how to walk and speak and then he started coding right after that. Oh, isn't that uh, exciting? Absolutely. Uh, um, So yeah, it started when I met André who has been working basically on our core technology, uh, on natural language processing like for three years. Okay. And uh, I was introduced basically to André by a a friend of mine, an angel investor who believed pretty much in education and the power of reading, of literacy to develop basically... uh, critical thinking and obviously with language learning you have to
0: have this continuous sort of uh, machine learning and certain degree of um, continuous feedback loop to understand how you know people engage with each other that's
1: right and i felt a connection directly uh, with andre as a person but also with the with the product itself because my parents uh, are english teachers i mean my my mother And my father is a writer. So uh, when I saw that project, I've always wanted to work for a tech startup. It was like, wow, I think it's the moment to to take that leap and uh, and, and try to do something meaningful and make a difference and, and try the startup journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And
0: your native language is actually French. That's right, that right. That's
1: right. That's right. So my, my parents uh, migrated from Mauritius, mm-hmm. uh, which is, a, you know, English-speaking country, but it used to be also a French colony, right? Oh, my God. Mauritius is such a beautiful island. Paradise Island. I would uh, I would definitely encourage everyone to, uh, you know, spend a holiday there. Yeah. It's definitely a honeymoon destination, but there's so many things to do, right?
0: Yeah. And it's also a financial international business center as that's well. That's right.
1: A lot of uh, offshoring. Uh, obviously, it's famous for tourism, for, uh, for offshore. A lot of call centers as well, and also uh, a few uh, R and D centers. Uh, We got like um, Indian tech companies who place some of their R and D labs in uh, in Mauritius, and it's always been a hub, a platform between Asia and Africa. So uh, I would say that to an extent, Mauritius is the Singapore of Africa.
0: Yeah, and I and actually um, I used to work in finance, my previous life, yeah. and we looked into Mauritius' structures and looked at, it, it's sort of like a um, very well-known center for setting up operations there. And historically, Mauritius, historically Mauritius is actually well-known for um, Indian tr-
1: um, sort of silk and, uh, and exports of uh, spices that's into right. Africa, right? That's right, that's right. So a lot of uh, sugarcane, actually, a business, that's, that was like the main purpose of uh, of Mauritius. Yep. Uh, so set by, up uh, by the French settlers and, uh, and by, the, by the British, but also trade. It's always been like about trade. That right, And key... that's where economy booms because of the that's right. trade. That's right. That's right. So we uh, were the key to the Indian Ocean. That's, that's how we, uh, I mean, that was like a strategic position of Mauritius always. Did you grow up in Mauritius or in France? So I was born and raised uh, in France. So okay. uh, I'm originally from uh, Lyon. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, as a kid, I would go back, like, every year for summer holiday. Uh, so, spend time with, uh, you know, with family awesome. uh, in Mauritius. And uh, I love the ocean. So, like, diving, fishing. The nature is <laughs> yeah. is absolutely gorgeous. So, like, trekking through the forest, everything. Yeah, so I have, like, a very deep connection with, uh, with the nature, with the island. Uh, it's people as well. Yeah. Uh, very diverse. So, you have, like, that blend of, like, Indian... Chinese, yeah. Black Africans, uh Europeans. Uh, it's a rainbow nation. We all live together in peace in harmony. Uh it's a democracy. Uh, it's thriving. Uh, it's it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um and so I
0: mean going back to your um your why, right? Which yeah. is essentially languages. You said that your parents were English um teachers. Yes. But then they as an, you grew up as a French um speaker. That's right. And so what
1: was that how did that evolve into your current business? So um I had that fascination for language teaching forever because I saw my parents uh doing this. Yeah. And um out of like personal interest I started uh, like teaching French actually as a as a language tutor. Okay. And uh, when I saw the project, I was so interested to see how I could uh, experiment on my own uh, doing language tutoring and working with my co-founder, Andre, see how we could like, develop new NLP, uh, NLP tools and techniques and some AI to basically boost the language skills, the literacy skills of, uh, of language learners. So it was really that, uh, that core, uh, that curiosity at the beginning. So really experimenting, uh, developing new things with Android that pushed me to get out there uh, become like a, a more intense, uh, intensively involved language tutor, yeah. but also uh, doing a lot of research, showing uh, or prototype to English teachers. So okay. in that initial stage of like research with Andre, I spent a lot of time also interviewing, uh, doing in-depth interviews of teachers, showing so the prototype. Yeah.
0: What are some of the biggest challenges that uh, you found when you were interviewing English teachers, um, and as well as students that yeah. were trying to learn English?
1: Well um I would say that the the school space is quite conservative so everything is still happening uh, on paper yeah so uh it's true that some of the teachers they will still stick to the traditional uh, methods uh mm-hmm. and uh, and old ways of of teaching yeah. so it's always difficult to find those uh Early adopters or innovators, you know, at the beginning of the cycle, who would be like open enough to see, okay, uh, I'm open to try like digital tools and see how this could like boost the learning of my students. Yeah. So you would need to talk to a lot of teachers before you find like those rare gems of like uh, teachers who get super excited about you, about uh, the potential of your tech, of your product, and try it with the students and be. Um, uh, supportive uh, and give a lot of feedback, and also help you iterate and come up with new ideas. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um,
0: from a personal point of view, yeah. I remember as a kid yeah. when I was learning English, yeah. and even though I I spoke um, Spanish and Brazilian Portuguese yeah. as a Latin language and. English was one that if you didn't, if you didn't grow up yeah. in, a, in a region where, or you didn't live in a region where people spoke English, yeah. it's actually quite difficult that's to right. learn.
1: That's right, that's right. But I can tell you about France, for instance, like the yeah. way it started in, uh, in high school uh, and then in university. Um, I think um, the teaching is, um, is very rigid yeah, You don't get enough uh, practice and all of the content, the materials are like outdated. So it's extremely boring, right? So that's why uh, I think in a lot of uh, Latin countries, uh, yeah. we have that very old school uh, approach of like teaching language. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think uh, when you come out of the school system, uh, your proficiency level is actually quite low. Yeah. So, um, and that is
0: Lat. If your origin was Latin languages, yeah. if your origin was Chinese or Japanese or Korean, yeah. trying to learn English yeah. is even more difficult. It's right? even
1: more difficult. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting, you know, because uh, a language will also shape the way you think. You know, it, it shaped your your view of the world, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh I think that's one of the things that is like like most fascinating for me when you learn a new language, then you also you can connect so much more with like other ways of thinking, yeah. other other cultures, and you start to uh have more angles, you know, in the and way you can approach one problem, right? I
0: love this point because it's about the depth of your understanding and the interpretation right. of the of that particular language yeah. I and mean, particularly English. Depending on what region you actually learned, yeah. like say if you learned English in UK, yeah. versus if you learned it in Jamaica, right? Yeah, it would be a very different sort of um, understanding in terms of culture and definitely um, meaning.
1: Definitely, like the words you would use, the how you would, uh, you would use the language, like what, what song you would sing, right? Yeah, you know, that's 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 so so different. And uh, in my case, uh, you know, practicing English. Uh so moving out of like France and coming to Asia, I've actually, you know, learned English like through that mix of like American, uh British people and Asians. So ultimately yeah. that's that's the beauty of English now. It and feels then, like it's everyone's language, right? And
0: then there's like Singaporean English, <laughs> which true. is kinda like it's 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 a little bit mixed with other sort of uh, dialects, but at the same time it's just rich with a lot of um different type of um uh history. That's right great and um so how was um i mean you met andre right and coming back to like how you and andre decided to form a company yeah um when did that start and and you know where did you guys start developing the technology first and uh, testing it out because you went surveying asking teachers um at what point did you say right let's get together and like make this a business
1: so it really um started from andre creating my first mvp okay so he uh, he was the first one who initiated that thing with that first prototype um he spent like a year a year building the tech so he started f- uh, as a like a hobby project and then he decided to work like full time on it and andre is um as i mean he's a techie so yeah. i have like a super strong uh, tech muscle and he needed a he needed a hustler you know to yeah. do uh, to do the rest like find the product market fit do a lot of uh, user research so it was kind of a match made in heaven you know when we met it was like Okay, you know, yeah. I think there's so many things we can do together. Yeah. And uh, and and it really it really took off from there. So I met Andre and then uh, uh, he incorporated the startup in uh, in Singapore. Okay. And for me, I was working in Bangkok and he's based in Bangkok, for me was like the perfect opportunity to move here. So you guys met in Bangkok. We met in Bangkok and then I decided to move here. To basically develop the startup and do a lot more research, because I knew that that was the place to be here in Southeast Asia to develop a startup. Yeah. And after like spending four years in Bangkok, I felt like I needed a new challenge, and that was exactly what I needed. Well, Bangkok is also has a thriving startup
0: ecosystem. I think there's a lot of um, sort of innovation happening out of there because of yeah. some of the necessities in that in that region, right?
1: That's right. Uh, I think there is a. Like a, a, there is like a booming uh, ecosystem in uh, in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would say is that the the ecosystem is a lot more mature here in Singapore. Oh, yeah. So you would meet uh, like founders, entrepreneurs with. Why uh, do you think that is? I think it probably starts from like the the government itself. You know. Okay. I think uh, so. The, the support. Right. That's right. This it's like capital. it's really about building this infrastructure mm-hmm. and bringing talents. You know. Yeah. So uh, I think that's that's one thing in uh, in Singapore. You have talents uh, coming from you know Silicon Valley, yeah. from Europe, uh, from absolutely everywhere. So you have the infrastructure, you have talents, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's the perfect pad. It's interesting because. Vokabi
0: when I first read, sort of, I, I got familiar with with the platform. Yeah, I my assumption was that since you started in Bangkok yeah. and Thailand, Thai people yeah. learning English yeah. that the, that was a necessity because Singapore. English was uh, is our primary language yeah. and so studying a technology company, but the fact that you mentioned that because of the infrastructure and the That's ecosystem, right. that is really
1: very important uh, to Definitely. making sure that the startup actually comes together it, it's, it's critical you know if you're isolated as an entrepreneur, as a founder, if you don't think, if you don't meet the right people who are um, willing you yeah. know, to support you in that journey, uh, you die alone. Yeah, And I think Singapore does a very good job, you know, at providing this environment and getting support, you know. And and for us, uh, what really made the difference is uh, getting into uh, a Muridi, uh acceleration program. Yeah. Um, because like we got uh, a, a space for ourselves there. Uh, we got like uh, very high level training. We got uh, mentorship and connection with all the founders. So it really became like a family. Yeah. And yeah, it was fantastic, you know. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it,
0: the acceleration programs, yep. uh, incubation programs yep. are really important to the ecosystem. Definitely. Because they support you with all of the resources that you need. That's right. And thereafter, you know, get introduced to um, strategic partners. Absolutely. And, and um, investors. Yeah, yeah. Um, let us just refer a little bit to yeah. your deck. Yeah. Um, let me take a look. Okay, so basically, your the problem that you are trying to
1: solve, could you just talk to us a little bit about this slide? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we we spend a lot of time reading on screen, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, coming from our smartphones, our, our tablets, and our laptops, right? So yep. hours and hours, and uh, even though um, you might have like a good level of English, you would always meet words that you don't understand. Yeah, and when you skip them, even native speakers, even native speakers, right? Yep. And when you miss those words, uh, this is where you miss the chance, you know, to uh, to improve your vocabulary. and and get better literacy skills. So for us, we were thinking like, what if you could capture all of those words what if you could get live live information when you don't understand something that's on your screen like instantly? And what if we could create basically personalized tests so that all of those words that you always keep that never get to your brain, yeah. we can find a way to make you smarter without changing basically your habits, right? So that's basically... So that is designed. where the
0: AI comes in, right? That's correct. That's correct. And the AI, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how
1: the AI works? Yeah, for sure. So uh, our... Our AI would basically process whatever text that you're reading. Mm -hmm. And it would categorize words by difficulty level. So we use like an international uh, framework called CFR to categorize those words. And for every word, we automatically create a set of exercises for you. Mm -hmm. So we use a statistical model to create like bite-sized learning program for you to memorize the words that are the most important for you to make progress.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then it would have a continuous feedback loop with the user. Is that how it? um, That's correct.
1: So you know uh, we use like space repetition models. Yeah. So like the words will come back like several times using like different questions that we produce automatically with our AI, and then we follow your progress when you get to know a word because you've passed you know a question covering uh, that word like several times. That means okay, uh, you 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 familiarize with that, and then as you keep reading more, you keep clicking on more words. Then you feed basically your personal bank of words and you keep you know uh, learning as you naturally read as you naturally work on your laptop on your smartphone on your, on your tablet and then it would just sort of
0: keep appearing so that it would right. remind you of that of that particular word that's correct okay and how does it actually beyond like the reading aspect how does it, how else does it engage
1: the the user or is it mainly for reading so it's it really starts from that reading um, aspect right yeah uh, that's how you build like literacy skill. Yeah. Uh, then, in terms of exercises that we generate for you, uh, they're also kind of uh, listening exercises. So, okay. like we uh, we have like the text to speech technology. Mm-hmm. So, a word that you would not understand, you would listen to it, and then you will have to to type it properly, right? Right. Uh, so you have also. Um so word knowledge, so using definition with multiple uh, options mm-hmm. in the future. We also want to improve pronunciation skills. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: maybe the system will be able to capture your, your voice pronunciation right. and then and tell feedback you. That's right. to you, right? Yeah. Um and the global size on this particular slide yeah. you identify as um fifty-six billion. That's right. Wow.
1: So that's the um, uh, information coming coming from uh, ambient insights. So that's the global language learning market. Mm-hmm. I think um, by uh, twenty twenty, actually, there will okay. be two billion English language learners, according to the British Council. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a massive opportunity because technically everyone could use the tool to get better at like reading and writing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: w- can I just say
0: like, because English demand demand for speaking English yeah. there's it comes in different type of groups. Right? That's right. Because you've got the Children that are, or children or people who don't speak English, and just right. simply learning to travel overseas or right. we'll be able to use it, right? Yep. And then you've got um, the other group that are professional groups that right. are learning, like say, financial terms or that's right, um, very technical legal terms right. or computer, like te- you know, so, some sort of like subject spe- specific terms. Yeah. So, how does the your system is it able to capture individually like all
1: of those different type of needs? So. What we're tackling with um, as a target group would be um, learners mm-hmm. who have reached a pre-intermediate or intermediate literacy skill level. Yeah. So that means they have uh, acquired enough words to read, but they need to get to the next level to advance basically their um, lexicon, right? Yeah. And get to uh, higher levels of, uh, of fluency. So before you're able to speak, you know, In a more sophisticated way, you need to memorize all of those words. So this is where we come in. And it's a huge market. So English language learners who would have that intermediate level in uh, countries where English is the first language, that would be uh, students in uh, primary and secondary school. Yeah. Uh, and for non-native speakers, they could really be anywhere, even like in uh, universities, right? Yeah. And it could also be like knowledge workers, uh, you know, coming out of universities and like having a kind of like average level of English. And when, as you mentioned, they read, the, you know, their contracts or like emails coming from like people working, you know, from the UK or America, yeah. they will not be able to understand it. Then they would use our our, our tool basically to understand uh everything and, and fill those gaps? What I found is that I mean previously working yeah. for um uh, financial institutions,
0: yeah. I realized that a lot of um say bankers that yeah. were coming from um Thailand, China, yeah. Yeah. Philippines, yeah. they in order to be able to uh communicate those yeah. technical financial terms. Yes. Um and a lot of the terms were very specific, right? right? With right. the financial jargons and all yeah. of that. Um you literally had a dictionary just for financial purposes. That's right. And the same thing would apply for medical right. and the same thing would apply for lawyers. Yes. And so I can see why a sort of cell, machine learning and uh, AI sort of um, application would right. be very useful, yeah. especially for professionals that can manage their time. Definitely. Right? Absolutely. You've got time constraint. You've got um, space constraint yeah. because you might not be able to. And or sometimes you're trapped in that airplane and you just want to be able to like practice before you go to Absolutely, you
1: are you know, uh, in the subway or you're in the plane and then you have all of those words and you know, if you don't find a way to learn them, then for sure you're not going to make any progress, right? I remember
0: when I was learning English as a child one of the reasons why it was so convenient to just drop off is because of that sort of Having to meet my tutor and having to arrange for a That's common right. time—that's right—and over time, I think everybody kind of just like fades apart.
1: Yeah, it's very painful, you know, as a as a learner. To capture every single word, if you have to make it manually, that means you need to have the notebook and then write the definition yourself. Uh, yeah. Nobody wants to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So is that where
0: your sort of next tier of um of of model or is, is to capture the sort of professional market?
1: That's right. I mean, we uh, will definitely target the uh, professionals, those knowledge workers, like those self learners, right? And uh, definitely those students in uh, tertiary environment and also in secondary school. Yeah. yeah.
0: I noticed there was a, a, a page on your s- um, slide that yeah. talks about the various phases that you um, were referring to. What What are these phases?
1: So this uh, this phase was actually is, is our pilot phase. So that's uh, validating our, our proof of concept. Okay. We so uh, you're
0: using French to English, right? Uh, French speakers to learn English. So uh,
1: English. we've um, done an innovation partnership with the French school here in Singapore. So okay. I. Got the chance basically to develop a web application for teachers and students. And that's really how we manage to build our core technology with the AI that creates the exercises, that automates marking, that tracks the, the progress, right? Is
0: there like a gamification aspect here as well? Yeah, or definitely. how do you engage students?
1: So definitely uh, it's like uh, getting collecting points uh, and, and badges and ha- putting a little bit of competition with the, uh, with the other you know, school, uh, schoolmates. So that's one element of, uh, of motivation that's, uh, that's important. And obviously, uh, you, know, you have a teacher and- you It know, has to be enforced by the teacher, yeah but okay. also you can also process your own uh your own documents so beyond just what uh, your English teacher is giving to you, you would so certainly have like um, other subjects like humanities uh, taught in English that you might not understand and you can also process like whatever document coming from other subjects on our platform as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Singapore obviously is a great testing Definitely. case, right? it's the perfect lab. Because you've got like a small group of like uh, French students it isn't like so big that you can manage and then with any sort of iteration that is required, you can, you can get feedback very fast.
1: Super quickly. And, uh, we, we also uh, tested other groups. Um, So, working with um, Stanford American School. Okay. uh, The Australian School in Singapore, but also in Malaysia. Yeah. And, uh, in Lingua. So, yeah, it's a, Big, very big language center as well. So we, we also tested with uh, Chinese, Japanese uh, learners as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we covered basically quite a wide uh, spectrum of like language learners. Yeah. So right now, the actual platform can, regardless of what
0: language yeah. you speak, you yeah. can actually go up and learn English on to That's
1: right. So uh, the web application that we have developed was really kind of like in-house, like working with the school and the language centers. And now we're opening this up to any self-learner. Okay, Yeah. great. And what would be the phase two like? So phase two is actually this this opening uh, to self-learner because Mm -hmm. now that we have developed our tech, our product uh, with the school, and we have uh, validated our proof of concept because the teachers use it, the students love to use it as well we are ready to basically activate that self-learning mode where you can take whatever document that you want and basically learn on your own. Okay. So moving out from the web application that we have created, what we are developing is, the, is a cross-device basically solution where we will create also like a web plugin. So you are on Chrome, you're browsing as usual, you would be able to get live information using that plugin yeah. and capture all of the words through that. And also uh, your quizzes or like things that you would ring normally on your smartphone, you'll be able to do that as well when you're on the go.
0: Okay. Yeah. Are you also, actually, one of the interesting thing about uh, yeah. machine learning platforms is that right. you will also be collecting a lot of data on the That's prog- right. progress. And this is, is is it live on the cloud or um this, how does that work? Is is it
1: offline or online? It's uh, It's all on the cloud. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely, we capture a lot of uh, content uh, and user data, so uh, we can like categorize. I mean, we can create different clusters of users and see like the different de- dynamics. Also, depending on their demographics, right? Like, yeah. if it's a group of French learners, that's them of a tongue. We can capture that, so we can know that for French learners, like uh, for French speakers, like this set of words is super difficult. So maybe they will need to learn those words as a top priority. Yeah. but it's going to be different for Chinese people and for Japanese or like
0: older. Generations versus like younger generation. That's true. Would the AI be able to sort of in the future? I mean, I know now you're still on the data collection process, but I would imagine that it would be so customized that it will follow the little, literally the pathway of what every
1: individual challenges are. That's true. Absolutely. As we train the AI, basically, the the personalized training programs that we generate with AI will get more and more accurate. Right. So that's one part on like the, um, your, the um, neural network. Quizzes that you that we're building, also what we um, what we are doing is collecting all of the content, all of the study sets that are created by the teachers. Yeah. And we want to create a shared library where like learners can also pick that, and also our AI by capturing the profile of the learners would be able to assign like the most relevant study sets for you as well. This, this is actually
0: go falls back down to exactly what we talk about, like the AI. A lot of people, I think, fear that. AI are going to replace humans, yeah. and how you know in the future, like teachers should fear their job. Um, but actually, that is not true. Is yeah. the actual fact is that it will enable teachers to do more to do meaningful. More. That's right, right, more meaningful roles and and be more effective at what they do. Yes, because right now teachers, from a human capacity, yeah. when they're teaching the student, especially in big classrooms, yeah, you have very little. um ability to assess students. Right. So one example that I like to do and I I use it for medical um, doctor purposes yeah. but like I would say the same thing for students. Yeah. Would it be reasonable for me to expect my English teacher yeah. to know all the curriculums for mm-hmm. learning the best curriculum teacher like solutions for learning English yeah. in the world? Yeah. No. Yeah. But I would expect my teacher to empathize with me my difficulty of learning this language right. and how you know if I'm having a bad day yeah. or I'm a good day and for her to be assisted or yeah. him to be assisted yeah. by a actual um, platform that would give the or assist, assistant that would enable all of those kind of knowledge.
1: That's, that's true. Basically, you know, uh, a teacher who, who uses vocab is a teacher uh, on steroid, you know, because we, we take away a lot of their uh, boring job, which is like, um, auto, I mean, marking, marking student work or repeating like the same word again and again until like the, the students memorize it. Yeah, um, and uh, I'm repeating I mean not just
0: marking but yeah. also like um, even after you taught it yeah. a lot of students have figured out how to just pass the exam Yeah. for the sake of passing exam yeah. but then when it comes down to really going to that particular country and speaking that language that's they, right completed loss
1: that's right and also it's it's that angle of uh, empowering so obviously teachers with a tool that does a lot of work for them Mm -hmm. but developing that tech with the schools we also empowering the students to learn more on their own with content that they also enjoy reading on their own you know without being pushed by the teacher so it's also as a teacher you have that role of like um, um, pushing the students to read because it's it's something that might be unpleasant for some of the students yeah uh and when you ingrain that when you instigate that that habit when it you install this, then a students would read on their own and get smarter just because they have developed that habit of reading for their own pleasure right but and also for their that interest
0: right that's right um to to ingrain that interest yeah so um I just want to talk a little bit about your revenue model so you you um how does the revenue model work
1: so in the in the pilot phase focusing on a proof of concept. Uh, for us what was important as a milestone is getting the school to start to pay for yep. our application Yeah. so which is what we have successfully done so we are starting uh, to charge teachers who are using our application so uh, now we have uh, yeah 12 teachers who have paid for it so through their schools and we uh a, a thousand students are using vocabulary now. Are you also
0: collecting data from the teacher's point of view to see whether the outcome of the, you know, the, what they've observed of the student as compared to without the technology? Yeah, so uh.
1: we've basically run a lot of tests, uh, especially at the French school, mm-hmm. where I was able to measure like, the difference in uh, vocabulary uptake between the students who would just read on paper. Yeah, and the students using vocabi, and then submitting like the same uh, vocabulary quiz. And what we notice is that the students using vocabi had a higher score by at least twenty two percent. So that's good.
0: Wow. Yeah. So during your beta test yeah. process, you are actually um, deploying it to a, a broader s- uh, student base. That's and right. And doing random selection process and yeah. looking at whether the, yeah. the improvement has. I, by But how much has it impor- does it do they improve in terms of time and efficiency learning English?
1: So we uh we estimate uh that in that process of like collecting words and memorizing that's at least like 50% of time on literacy skills. Oh wow, yeah. 50% yeah. of the time. Yeah, that yeah. means that if I
0: normally take uh, say for example, uh, 3 months to remember a particular um sort of um word well a, a series of of um of content I uh, actually using your system uh, in just
1: half of that time. Yeah, it's really like on if you, you think, think about yourself back at school, right? Yeah. Writing down every single word manually and then getting back to it and creating your own flashcards and doing all of this, right? And
0: if, that is if you don't lose the flashcards. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to rewrite everything again. Okay?
1: That's true. So like, yeah, really, like, yeah, put, put yourself in that situation and see that we automate all of this. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, and you, uh, was, uh, you are at the beta stage. So you is, are you raising now your pre-seed or your seed? We're
1: raising our seed now your because seed, right? the okay. beta is ready. We're finalizing uh, a web application for students. And we're raising our seed, basically, uh, to create our, our mobile application mm-hmm. and our web plugin to be able to sell it to any self-learner out there.
0: Okay. Yeah. And you've raised part of that, um, so you're looking to close your
1: round um, by this year. So we basically uh, we close our pre-seed. Okay. So now we're opening the seed now. Oh, yeah. you just opened the seed. That's okay. right. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And you're raising it, Where are you raising it? Here in Singapore or yep. outside so, of Singapore? Yeah.
1: Uh, so we've uh, we've talking to angels uh, here. Uh, we've also started to talk with uh, with VCs. Okay. So yeah, definitely. You know, if uh, anybody out there is interested in education, uh, yeah. yeah very happy to uh, to talk more
0: yeah. edutech has become a very um sort of focus on a lot of asian countries yes. i was actually at a panel in, um, in the back in the us yep and um there was one of the guys that was also a founder and he raised his hand and said, why aren't VCs here um, investing in Edutech? And the answer from the panel, uh, which was formed by angel investors and uh, all of the sort of um, lawyers and um, angel VCs, they're, they're General feedback was that it, there was no um, the expectation. There was no like ten times return. There was yeah. no sort of twenty, a hundred times returns yeah. as compared to like the more sexy stuff like AI, pure AI, or yeah. like uh, blockchain, yeah. all of the other technology. Yeah. But actually, um, later on after the event, I pulled him aside and I said, yeah. "Look, you are in the US, so yeah. edutech might be a sort of less sort of um, invested area." Yeah. But in Asia, yeah. it's a completely different story yeah. because in in places like China, for yeah. example, yeah. where there's a huge demand yeah. for quality learning, especially yeah. language learning, right. Right? As right? As the government starts to push um, talent out of um, to into international worlds, right. um, in Singapore, yeah. places like Taiwan, Japan, yeah. Yeah. language learning is actually
1: quite a yeah. high. Um, well, education in general is a is a very big focus. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, it's about finding the the right business. Model. Yeah. Uh, when you work in education, what you what we hear, and I think it's probably true, is like you have to uh, basically sell your solution directly to the learners themselves. Yeah. Or if you are talking to targeting younger learners you have to target the parents right yeah. because this is where the money is so that's the big challenge in education if you want to monetize and grow revenue uh, rapidly yeah. you need to get to those channels and get money directly from those users and
0: I actually think the, the real money I mean a lot of people when they're doing edutech they mm. look at like oh my god I'm gonna go and target all of the sort of students right yeah. and this yeah. is such a huge market yeah. but what they're missing out yeah. is the fact that the later stage learners yeah. those are the people that, that have been working and have the yeah. money to pay for it. That's right. And so they would actually want to upgrade themselves. So it doesn't just stop stop a language. Right. It actually goes to certification. It goes to yeah. all of the different type of um uh, platforms right. like finance for example people yeah. get certification legal right. legal aspect yep. of it as well. Yeah, yep. yep.
1: yeah yeah definitely. So there's uh, there's potential in that uh, knowledge worker space yeah uh, and and tertiary students who would be able to afford it on the on their own What we also think uh, has a lot of potential is like also selling like family pack, you know, because you, let's say as a knowledge worker uh, in Japan, for instance, you know that uh, your English level is kind of intermediate, but you would like your children probably to start younger. Your too, yeah, or your parents. Yeah, or even your parents, right? So you would buy that family pack for the entire family and everybody would kind of use like Vocab, uh with the plugin, the extension and kind of compare results as well. And you kind of create that internal
0: um, ecosystem, right? Because if instead of having to fly you as a child to like UK, for example, to mm-hmm. learn English... Yeah. If the whole family starts to practice together yeah. it, and, and parents and oftentimes children learn faster when the parents are Gosh, actually. They're involved in speaking. the process,
1: for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's the job, you know, as a parent, that's what you're supposed to do as well, right? Yeah. yeah you have to show the example. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you are,
0: um, a 500K is at one market cap, would that be, be at?
1: So it's at a $2.2 million uh, valuation. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we use SafeNote uh, as ready startups. That's something that uh, um, yeah that we use as as a standard. Yeah.
0: Okay. And I suppose that like a huge portion of it will be going on the development of tech, by sure. the softwares, and you know, on the sort of quantum computing sort of space, using you know all that cloud space, all the, all the storage and all that yeah. for the data, right?
1: That that part is pretty much uh, is is quite well in place. Uh, for us, it's really about creating the, the cross-device experience, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, enabling you uh, with the web plugin to just like have that natural experience of like just doing your normal thing yeah, and be able to capture absolutely anything, right? And also on your smartphone and providing that convenience of being able to learn and practice with the test absolutely anywhere on the plane, uh, you know, Uh, taking the subway, everything. So you you, would be able to capture words from like whatever screen and you'd be able to learn from anywhere.
0: Maybe in the future, use different type of wearables like VR or uh, AR or so <laughs> one of those kind of like hardware devices to make it more sort of real it, it might feel like you're like now in the UK as opposed to like and you're standing in Mauritius but then you're like if, you're wearing this VR device and look like you're interacting with pe- English speakers yeah,
1: that, yeah that, that, that'd be great or even like you're looking at a room and then you see objects and then you see the words popping up you know uh, and then you would just like learn just that by walking in like virtual space or having conversations right Yeah, yeah it yeah. just
0: feels like you're traveling Without actually physically <laughs> yes. traveling, so I
1: have one more question for you before we end this conversation.
0: It's been a absolute um, fun talking about languages. Thanks. One of my biggest passions. Yeah. Um. How can our listeners who and be investors or people who might want to understand find out more about Wakavi? Yeah. Um. Reach out to you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but definitely you can uh, have a look at our website and and uh, reach out to me directly. You know, I'm always happy. Uh, if you're in Singapore, I'm also traveling quite frequently to uh, Kuala Lumpur. And uh, Bangkok, to uh, to grab coffee and have that uh, you know direct conversation uh, with uh, with you as investors, or if you also work in the education space and you think that it could make a difference wherever yeah. you work, or even for your children, very happy to have that current that direct conversation with you. Definitely, wonderful.
0: Thank you very much, Camille. So it's been a total. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you the pleasure um, was all mine thanks and this is a wrap this is the Asia Tech Podcast I'm your host Gustavo Leu.